Lecture topic: Controlling anger. As we discussed briefly after Asr, the purpose of this getting together is in order to just remind ourselves. It's a muzakara, a reminder. And this muzakara and the purpose of this reminder is to keep making ourselves conscious of our object. That we have to connect ourselves to Allah Ta'ala. We have to become closer to Him. And in this way, make ourselves successful in... So the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala becomes successful in dunya and akhirat. So this is an ongoing need. This is a need that we need to keep reminding ourselves. And for that is these gatherings of deen. So we have to keep conscientizing ourselves. Dunya is not the be all and end all. It's a very temporary phase. We are here now. We have no idea what's the situation tomorrow, what's the situation tonight. So the heart must be attached to akhirat. As we discussed in many of the incidents before Maghrib, that these Ahlullah, these pious personalities, their hearts were attached to akhirat. As long as a person's heart is attached to Akhirat, dunya is in his hands, not in his heart, then that dunya can't harm him. But when dunya comes into the heart, then it becomes a very, very dangerous thing. So in any case, this is the purpose of this, spending this little time. This time too is a very great na'mat of Allah Ta'ala. And with the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala, this little time getting spent in the house of Allah Ta'ala, this little time getting spent in discussing something about deen, listening to something about deen, there's a very great ni'mat. The Hadith Sharif, Nabi Salaam says, Ni'matani maghdoonun fihima kathirun minan nas. There are two ni'mats, two bounties of Allah Ta'ala, with regards to which many people are in a deception. Many people are in a deception regarding these two bounties. As-sihhatu wal-faraz. One is sihat, good health, very great bounty. And the other is faraz. Faraz, we might call it free time, but a person not becoming preoccupied. He has that time available to be able to dedicate to something good. Now these are very great na'mas. The example that is being given in this hadith sharif is maghboon. In the books of fiqh, this is a discussion, khaban, that a person now was, he fell into a deception. In other words, he bought something, for example, which was worth a very small amount, a very, very invaluable item, or rather very small value item, and he paid a very big price for it. One sahabi came to Rasulullah and once, he said, I often get caught up in this, I don't realize that I'm buying something cheap for an excessive price or maybe selling something very valuable for a very cheap price and I just get caught up in the emotion, somebody was selling something and they just said something and I bought it, I didn't realize. Now when I come home, now maybe the people of the house, they see it and they say, but what you brought in came, how much you paid for this, this is only worth so much, you pay three times the amount, so now what do I do? So Nabi Sallallahu then advised him that, okay, you take an option for three days. Now this is a fiqhi masla. This is a aspect about the masla itself. That fine, you take an option for three days beforehand. You tell the person, okay, I'm buying it for this option of three days. And within three days, if I want to keep it, then fine, we'll finalize it. Otherwise, I'll bring it back. So if he accepts that condition, then fine, you take it. So now you can't then be deceived because now if you come with it then others will advise you that no this is not worth it you'll take it back but in this hadith sharif the word that is used is that I fall into this deception that I pay a very big price for something very small value or something of very great very small value I pay a very big price for it now that particular 
example is being used in this hadith sharif that ni'matani maghboonun fihi ma kaseerun minan nas that there are two bounties of Allah Ta'ala many people are in this ghabar in this deception one is good health the health of a person is life itself what is the value of this life? the value of this life was that he could have purchased akhirat of it inna Allah ashtara minal mu'minina anfusahum wa amwalahum bi anna lahumul jannah if he just applied this correctly he applied the use of this time correctly he applied the use of this health correctly then this is so valuable that he could have purchased jannah with it so this is the value of this life and the time that he can purchase jannah now what he did with it he took it and purchased dunya with it meaning he put his whole life for dunya only he destroyed his akhirat to gain dunya one is halal dunya for the sake of earning a halal living we already discussed after asar that person shouting that mili is mili is who is getting the sawab of tasbih if the intention is right but now he put his whole heart and mind in dunya in such a way that he destroyed his akhirat he compromised his akhirat for the sake of dunya so this is like that person who he took gold he went with the, to the marketplace with gold, bags full of gold and he bought sand and came. So now he paid gold with it and he brought in return sand. That sand too is probably still worth something. Might top up his garden maybe with it. Allah knows whatever kind of sand it might be. Building sand will build something with it. But the person who bought or destroyed his akhirat for the sake of dunya then it is like a person bought the worst, the most, he bought filth, paid all the gold of the world in exchange of filth. So dunya, halal dunya, in a manner earned in a halal manner, that's a very great na'mat of Allah Ta'ala when it will be used correctly. But not at the expense of akhirat. So now this is the value of this time. That this time also, that one one minute can be used to earn akhirat. Now, one is a person engages the time and instead of earning akhirat and earning jannah, he applies it in such a way that he is earning jahannam. He could have been using the time to earn jannah, he is purchasing jahannam with it by getting involved in haram, in evil. So that is a complete destruction of this great ni'mad. That health is using it to get into jahannam by getting himself involved in sin, in vice, that is now the worst kind of destruction. That's the most, the greatest loss of any transaction that a person can ever engage in. If somebody went to the marketplace and he bought sand in exchange of gold, everybody will call him a completely lunatic person. Nobody does that. So now this is the lesson given in this Hadith Sharif. That ni'matani maghboonun fihima kathirun minan nas. There are two ni'mats. Two bounties, many people are in a total deception. As-sihhatu wal-faraq. As-sihhat, good health. That in the time of good health, a person can do so many more things. In terms of earning a greater jannah. Now the health is gone, the intentions are there, the desires are there, but he can't do it. Sometimes can't make it to the masjid for salah with jama'ah. But this is where the other part of it is. That the person in his good health, he engages himself in these amal. He was very regular with his salah, salah with jama'ah, getting to the masjid on time. And he was engaging in his tilawat, in his tasbihat, his ma'amulat. And whatever other good deeds he was doing, he was going out in the path of Allah Ta'ala, he was serving deen. He was sacrificing, making sacrifices for the betterment of others, to help others out in some way. They were taking care of the needs of people. All these things he was doing in his good health. Insan is insan. And... These things are part of life. Old age is going to set in someday. Sometimes illness comes. But this is the grace of Allah Ta'ala. That the person who in the time of his good health and in the time of his young age, he was engaging himself in the righteous actions on a continuous basis, regularly. The time comes when due to ill health, due to old age, 
He cannot continue. Allah Ta'ala continues to give him the reward of those amal as if he is currently doing it. Now he cannot make it to the masjid for salah with jama'ah out of sheer helplessness. But he was regular with it. While he had the help, he was regular with it. He is now performing the salah at home and he's getting the reward of salah with jama'ah. He was making tilawat of five paras a day. He's now is battling. One person underwent one heart bypass now recently. Mashallah, very regular with his tilawat. He still, make probably, he still makes eight, ten paras a day. But now after that operation, so now he was feeling very, very down. Why so down? Now this is when a person has tasted something. And he's truly tasted something. And now he, he misses it. When he tastes something, he misses it. A person is eating some delicious food every day, every other day. And now for a long time he didn't have it. Then he really is now missing it. This person now he says that probably in that moment of emotion it just came out. He probably intend to say it. He says that after that operation I was so weak that I couldn't even hold the Quran Sharif in my hand. And let alone hold the Quran Sharif in my hand, it was hard to even hold the tasbih in the hand. It was hard to even move my lips to read something. So in my heart and mind, whatever little I could just keep repeating something, I was repeating. But after several days, now over a week had passed, I then managed to look into the Quran Sharif again. See, this was something I can't explain what happened. That after one week, I managed to look again into the Quran Sharif. But now, in any case, to console him, this was then told to him that for that moment that you couldn't recite one letter of the Quran Sharif also. Purely out of this situation that came. Out of this ill health. But because this was something constant, when the health was there, every day that you were lying down without reciting one letter due to this ill health, you were getting still that seven paras, ten paras, tilawat sawab. Allah Ta'ala's fazal and karam this is, that Allah Ta'ala doesn't leave his banda who has been making that effort in the lurch. Allah Ta'ala tested him with that health, but Allah Ta'ala still kept that reward for him. And then old age comes, old age is part of life, a person has lived to that point, he's going to become old, the strength doesn't remain the same, like a person who was young. But now because of that old age, he can't keep up the pace, Allah Ta'ala continues to give him the reward. So this time also is a very great na'mad, very great bounty. This is the fazal of Allah Ta'ala, the karam of Allah Ta'ala. That on this type of time, when normally we would have been engaged in something, whatever it might have been, not necessarily anything wrong. But we sacrificed this time. Allah Ta'ala gave us that tawfiq. So now just around, discuss something about deen. Something that will inshallah take us closer to Allah Ta'ala. This is a very, very great bounty, very great na'mad of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala accepts. One and all, Allah Ta'ala grant us His muhabbat, grant us this nisbat that we are trying to acquire and make this getting together a means of His pleasure and a means of our progress in deen, inshallah. Before Maghrib also, we were reading out of this kitab, kitab of our Shaykh Hakim These are just various lessons which pertain to our Islah, pertain to our rectification and this is a compilation of various things which are in this regard. Here in front of us we have again something which is of very, very great importance. It's a matter that affects us on a daily basis. Something that we, and it's not something confined to one person or two people, this is across the board. Illa mashallah. And at the same time it's something that's taken very lightly. Something that a person, or many people, often don't give any second thought to that, well, this is something to avoid, or I must now address this, I must overcome this, make some effort to overcome it, make dua to Allah Ta'ala to grant me this ability to pass by this and overcome this. We are affected by this on a daily basis, and the lack of concern is also just as much. As much as we are confronted with this, to that extent, we are unconcerned about it. This is the aspect of anger. Ghazab, Reiz or Ghazab. This is the title here, Reiz or Ghazab ka ilaj. Hadith Mubaraka ki roshni mein. The treatment of anger. In the light of the ahadith of Rasulullah. So this is a daily thing. 
person daily is sometimes provoked by this situation or that situation, something in the house, something in the workplace, something where home. And very often as a result of this anger, such major issues take place, such harm and damage is caused, that then it takes sometimes months, years to repair the damage. And sometimes it's irreparable, just cannot be repaired. How often, and how often, this is an understatement, that the question will come, one question came just, and this is every other time this question comes. Now the person in the state of anger, one person on the first of Ramadan, state of anger, just gave three talaks. And every other day this is a common occurrence. Now there's a whole detailed write-up now, but maybe this was the issue now, and I've taken this medication and something and something and something. None of those things is going to change the reality. The bottom line is that a person, we didn't learn, we didn't learn how to take control of these things. There wasn't any concern given to it. And a person has a small ailment now, he's worried about it, then he's taking some medication that doesn't seem to do the job, now he's going to see the doctor. And after that one treatment of the doctor, that doesn't seem to do the job, now he's looking for a specialist. And then after that specialist treatment, he's taking a second opinion. And then if the doctor says, no, there's an operation required, so now, well, he doesn't have the money to, he's looking for something somehow to make it done, get done. So all that concern for the physical self, that this ailment must get treated. But the spiritual ailments which are so dangerous, this is a person now in that foot of anger gave three talaks, people in that foot of anger are making statements of pure kufr. It's rendering their iman null and void. And then the person doesn't even give it a second thought, he's still performing salah, etc. Clearly he hasn't renewed his iman, he's in a state of kufr. Allah forbid life goes out in that moment. Person's nikah breaks. Now all this on day-to-day occasions, because we took it lightly, the person just vented his anger anyhow. Whether it was at home, whether in the workplace, whether anywhere else. Didn't give him any second thought to it, he just went to it, wherever somebody went to it. Not that that anger was not provoked. It was provoked, understood. But it doesn't mean that anything that was provoked, then it justifies the reaction. So now, this became a habit, this became the norm, this became the standard, to just vent the anger at anything and everything. And then someday it gets provoked to a greater extent, next thing the person has made these major blunders. Then now he's blurted those three talaks, or he's blurted that statement of kufr, but that didn't happen just on that moment only. That was a build-up of his own habit over time, because that became his standard way of carrying on with life. So because now when a person gets accustomed to doing something, then he does it more. He became accustomed to venting his anger at, if on a scale of 1 to 10, at the scale of a 2 out of 10, so 2 out of 10 became part of life for him. After a few weeks, then it became 3 out of 10. Then 4 out of 10. He's venting his anger at level 8 now. Then suddenly at level 10, he blurted those three talangs. He blurted that kufr. <coughs> and now his dunya is gone, his akhirat is gone. These are extremely dangerous things which are regarded as trivial. Regarded as part of just, well, this is part of life. It's not part of life. These are things we have been warned about by Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There are such severe warnings in the hadith, and these are things to be treated with seriousness. Not something that well, okay, it'll happen, come right. It doesn't come right like that. If something has become a part of a person's tabiat over time, then it has a process to unravel it over time also, and it's a process. It's not by wishful thinking. It's not by dreaming. It's not by just thinking about it that well it will happen someday. No, there's an effort behind it. And there's a really great effort sometimes. Because these things stem then, this venting of anger anyhow, anyone and everyone and so on, these feed pride. Pride is the root of anger. And now the more this carries on, the more it feeds the root. Because feeding the pride. Then the more that pride comes, then the person says, I'll take on anyone. I don't fight for anybody. 
It's not a matter of whether we fight for anyone or not. It's a matter of how we conduct ourselves. It's a matter of what akhlaq we display, what akhlaq we live with. It's not a matter of whether I fight for anyone or not. We all should fight for Allah Ta'ala alone. And together with that, Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu his statement that la yarju abdun illa rabbah that a person shouldn't have hope from anyone but his rabb wala yakhafu illa zamba and there's something that he should fear he should be fearing his sins not necessarily fear insan we should fear our sins so it's not a matter of whether I fight for anybody or don't fight for anyone or I can take on anyone no no it's what akhlaq I'm going to live with what is akhlaq I'm going to display? And that's where this aspect of anger comes in. This is unfortunately such a, such a disaster that is happening as a result of this uncontrolled anger. Anger is a natural trait. Anger will come. If a person, something provokes him and he doesn't feel any anger, something is not right. But when that anger comes, to be able to control that anger and where it is valid to channel it, and to what extent it is valid to channel. When he has learned how to do that, then he has now come into some safe ground. But until then, until then a person is on very slippery ground. Allah Ta'ala protects us, that that slip can become dangerous, very dangerous. And how many people are falling in such terrible ways, that it becomes difficult to wake up. So this is a very, very important lesson that has been given in the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in the Quran Sharif itself Allah Ta'ala gives this lesson of controlling the anger Allah Ta'ala is giving us this, this great virtue of those who will restrain their anger the Jannat Allah Ta'ala has prepared the Jannat which is vast so vast beyond the heavens and earth the expanse of the Jannat but for who it is, للمتقين الذين ينفقون في السراء والضراء والكاظمين الغيز والعافين عن الناس Those who spend in ease, in adversity, who restrain their anger and who forgive. والله يحب المحسنين So, just to discuss some of the ahadith that have been mentioned in this regard, one of the aspects that we just mentioned about this anger, in one hadith, Nabi Islam says that this anger, it corrupts a person's iman. Like, Kama yufsidu sabirul asada. Sabir is a very, very bitter substance. It's so bitter that if this little bit of this bitter substance is poured into a jar of honey, now honey is honey. It's it's sweetness personified. Every grain of it is, is infused with sweetness. Every drop of it is infused with sweetness. But this substance is so bitter, you just pour a little bit of it into that jar of honey, it will make the whole thing bitter. And the Bishlaasim is giving us that example. That just as this little bit of this sabir, this very bitter substance, it will spoil that whole jar of honey. Anger has that potential of destroying a person's iman. It will spoil the whole. One is that Allah Ta'ala protects. That one is that iman goes itself because in that anger he blurted kufr. So now the whole iman is gone. And Allah Ta'ala saved from that and saved from every other level of harm. But sometimes it may not be that extent. But the whole, the iman of a person has been spoiled. That now his akhlaq is gone. As a result of what he said, that whole piece of their home is destroyed. He's destroyed relationships. He's destroyed friendships. Age-old friendships have gone in a moment. And sometimes that foot of anger, what he said and what he did, creates a whole family feud. What not carries on? In that one moment of anger, what harm comes out of it? So now as a result of that, now that which became the order of the day now, due to that anger, now the ghibat starts. Because what problem ensued, now the ghibat starts. What's going to be the effect of the ghibat on the iman? Then if that ghibat is not enough, then he'll start slandering also. He'll start exaggerating, which is a slander. 
So something happened to a certain extent, he'll blow it out of that proportion and he will slander it out, exaggerate it. So one thing will lead to the next and all this is harming a person's iman. The root of it, that anger, uncontrolled anger. So in this regard, there are several hadith of Rasulullah We will discuss some of these. The first hadith is from Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The Nabi says, Man kazama ghaizan wa huwa yaqdiru ala infadihi mala Allahu ta'ala qalbahu amnan wa imana. That the person who restrains his anger where he could have vented it. He was in a position to have vented it because it was somebody who was his subordinate. Somebody who was weaker than him. Somebody who couldn't really retaliate because if the person can retaliate that time the anger itself subsides. He doesn't have to restrain it. Then merely taking one look at the size of the person that itself becomes the cold water over the anger. Then now the person doesn't say it but I just lost it. Then at that time he finds himself very well. But then suddenly with his wife he lost it. Elsewhere he lost it. So this is all just nafs. It's all just the dictates of nafs that a person just claimed that this is what happened and that happened. But here this is the message that is being given here. The person who restrains his anger where he could have vented it. Allah Ta'ala will fill his heart amnan wa imana. Am with peace. Allah Ta'ala will fill his heart with peace and with iman. Outwardly, it seems like he needs to vent it off. This is what we call, like, get it off my chest. I needed to vent it. Why? So I'll feel nice. But Nabi Salaam is saying, no, you'll get feel nice the other way around. And this is by the guarantee of Rasulullah One is what is our imagination. That too is just merely a excuse of the nafs. That I needed to vent it off, to just get it off my chest. It's just an excuse of the nafs. The guarantee Nabi Islam is giving. But this is the mushahada. The mushahada that he will now see this great benefit. That mushahada comes after mujahada. This is the system of Allah Ta'ala. First the mujahada, then the mushahada. Now that first moment is a very testing moment. That first moment could be many moments. It could be the first few minutes also. But that's the very testing time. That is when now everything is just suddenly wanting to burst forth. But at that time, the person learns to control. And that requires the mujahada. Because the Quran says, Those who restrain their anger. Kazum. The word kazum is used in the original usage of the language. That where something that like steam, just to understand it, where steam is going to try to be escaping, but the person is holding it back down. So now it's a pressure. This is just the gist of this original usage. That it is holding back a pressure. So, when the leather bag is filled with water, so now in order to avoid it now spilling over, it's tied with a string. Now this is in that, so that tying of that leather bag with the string so that this water doesn't spill over, this is called kazum. So it must spill over. So now that now water is filled in there, it's now wanting to spill over, he's holding it back by tying it up. So now there's a pressure involved, there's mujahada. But now he accepted that mujahada. He accepts that mujahada, he undertakes that mujahada, that mujahada brings mushahada. Now a person, he benefits from that reward which Allah Ta'ala has promised, benefits from those things that Nabi Salaam has endorsed, that this is what will happen. Mala Allahu qalbahu amnan wa imana. Allah Ta'ala will fill his heart with sukoon. The sukoon, looking for it everywhere, the sukoon doesn't come from venting anger. It comes from restraining anger. And if we sometimes I doubt about it, then it's a very painful exercise. Vent it sometimes and see where the sukun goes to. It's a very painful exercise, don't undertake it. Just accept it that this experiment will never bring any kind of good results. So don't experiment it. But sometimes there's no need to experiment it now. We've already tasted it previously. 
that what good it brought. The person vented it, what good it brought. Sometimes something has to be addressed. That's a separate matter. That the problem has to be addressed. So yes, a problem has to be addressed, it has to be addressed. But it has to be addressed in the right way. It has to be addressed in a way that what is the purpose of addressing the problem? To bring a positive outcome. That if there's a problem, it must get resolved. If there's an issue between two parties, it must be resolved. There must be an amicable end result to it. If there's some dispute, it must get resolved. So that is the purpose of that discussion or that of whatever now needs to be addressed. Now by venting anger would that end result be acquired? The experience 99.99% of the time would be that venting that anger will only escalate it. It won't resolve it. It will finally get resolved when there's no anger left anywhere. And that because of the initial venting of the anger has now pushed that so far away it might take months, it might take years before that thing gets resolved. And finally everybody has come to their senses and have moved the anger out of the equation and have decided to now sit in a sensible manner and deal with it in a sensible manner, then it will get resolved. But while that anger is in the moment, that becomes a distant thing. That anger just escalates it. So that mujahada will be inevitable. That initial mujahada is that inevitable. That, that's the system Allah that I place in dunya. There is no button a person now maybe just pulls his ear one time will come right. Doesn't happen like that. There's no button to press. That button is in the heart. That button gets pressed with mujahada. And to the extent of that mujahada, there'll be mushahada. Then the person will taste the qurb of Allah Ta'ala. He'll experience that sweetness of iman. Mala Allahu qalbahu amnan wa imana. Allah Ta'ala will fill his heart with this peace and with iman. The sweetness of iman. So, we keep talking about the strengthening of this Iman, but these opportunities are available to us all the time. These opportunities are not only in the Masjid. These opportunities are not only at the time of Tahajjud. That's also there. That opportunity is also at the time when we sit down with the Tasbih. That opportunity is also at the time when now we come to perform our Salah in the Masjid. But that opportunity is also there when somebody provoked our anger. Opportunity. It's an opportunity to fill the heart with Iman. To taste the sweetness of Iman. Mala Allahu Qalbahu Amnan wa Imana. Allah Ta'ala will fill his heart with Aman, with peace, with sukoon, and with Iman. Now this is an opportunity that keeps presenting itself. Like Hazrat Wala Rahmatullah he used to say that not that one is that a person goes and deliberately puts himself in an environment that is going to now become a problem for him. But now he has to go to work, he has to drive, he has to move from one point to the other. And unfortunately, because of the kind of environment that has become the norm, there's this shamelessness all over the place. So now people say, but now how am I going to control myself and protect myself? He says, no, no, that's not the way to look at it. The way to look at it is, now obviously it's wrong whatever is happening out there, but that's not in our control. We are in our control. So, Hazrat's statement used to be, this abundance of the shamelessness, it is actually, halawati imani ki faryawani. This is an abundance of the opportunity of taking the sweetness of Iman. One is a person now, he's saying that, no, well, I can't control myself and whatever else. So he lost all the benefits. But now the person is saying that this has become a situation. At every step now, I will take the sweetness of Iman by controlling my gaze, lowering my gaze. Because in the hadith, Qudsi Allah Ta'ala has given this promise that the person who will refrain from the haram glance, from the lustful glance, then abdaltu biha imanan yajidu halawatahu fi qalbi. I will give him the sweetness of iman in return. So now he turned that negative into his positive. How at every step he is taking the sweetness of iman in return, by controlling his gaze. So here also every time somebody is provoking his anger, 
he is making that, taking hold of that opportunity to strengthen his iman, to fill his heart with iman. This is the promise Nabi Salaam is giving. Mala Allahu qalbahu amnan wa imana. Then in another hadith, it is stated that Anil Hassani and Allah Ta'ala Yaqulu Yom al Qiyama Liyakum mankana lahu ala Allah Ta'ala ajrun Fala yakumu illa insanun afa. Then on the day of Qiyamah, Allah Ta'ala will announce that that person should now stand up, those people should stand up who are entitled to this reward from Allah Ta'ala. In reality, nobody is entitled to anything from Allah Ta'ala. Nobody deserves anything and nobody is entitled to anything. Everything is purely the grace of Allah Ta'ala. This is what is titled as Tafaddul Wujub Ihsani. It is just Allah Ta'ala's grace. Allah Ta'ala is calling it that you are entitled to it. That is Allah Ta'ala's grace. So now Allah Ta'ala is saying those who are entitled to this great reward from me, those who have this, they, they have this entitlement, so they must stand up now. They are going to be given this reward. When this announcement is made, nobody will be able to stand up to take this reward, illa man afad, but the person who forgave. He overlooked, he forgave. Now, we don't know which, we have to keep doing this. Because out of that hundred times we do it, to start off with, we don't know how much class was there in any one of them. But when a person keeps doing it, continues to try to make that effort, Inshallah, someday one will happen with the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala, with that degree of ikhlas will get accepted. And when that announcement was made on the day of Qiyamah, because of that one particular time he did that amal and he got accepted, he'll be able to stand up on the day of Qiyamah and take that reward from Allah Ta'ala. Illa man afa. Now this is an opportunity the whole day also we get. You might think forgiving only somebody owing us thousand rands and must forgive him. No, no, even the day to day simple things. Sometimes, because somebody irritated us with something, somebody upset us with something, and we overlooked it, we forgave it. That well, this is something wrong the person did, shouldn't have done it that way, tell off, right? Let it be. Illa man asa. Many, if this, this manner of dealing with things is adopted, three quarter of our day-to-day issues which become problematic will all be resolved already. Three quarter is an understatement, much more than that. Because when a person has this frame of mind and he is uh, taking things in this light, this is his uh, zeal that I want to take all these opportunities and convert them into good for me. I want to increase my iman all the time. I got provoked in some way, I want to forgive. I want to restrain this anger and fill my heart with iman. So where is going to be a problem left? Because an argument can happen only if two people are arguing. I haven't yet seen a person, one person arguing with me. And one person is arguing and arguing. Yes, one person can say some things, but you can't have an argument from one person. One person may say some things, he might even say some things very hurtful to, I'd say something vulgar, Allah forbid. But then if only one person is talking, how long is he going to talk? There's no argument if there's no two people involved in it. One person will say something and then finally he'll have to keep quiet and carry on. So if one person has decided that this is my goal now, I'm going to be trying to take this benefit that has been endorsed by Rasulullah These are very simple ahadith, but the depth of it is beyond our comprehension. And the depth of it is really understood in the amal. For us, it's some words, but the depth of it is really beyond our comprehension. And it is only when a person would truly latch onto this, that he will start getting some minor, very, very little bit of a glimpse of how deep this is. The depth of it will never reach. The little glimpse of how great this is. So, these are lessons that have been given to us that if we want that peace and this not just keeps our dunya peaceful, this becomes a means of protecting our akhirat as well. Because that iman gets spoiled with that anger. 
Now a person has adopted this as his goal, so he's protecting his imam. As a result, he's protecting his akhirat. So these are very fundamental things, and as mentioned right at the beginning, as important as certain things are, that's how taken for granted they become. When something is like a daily thing, a person doesn't give a second thought to it. Because it's like a daily thing now. Whereas sometimes these daily things are very, very deep, very serious sometimes. So these are lessons that we need to bear in mind. On a daily basis we should be reminding ourselves. That's now the other part of it. These are just still the, the warnings in the hadith and the virtues actually. The virtues and the warnings. The virtues of restraining anger. The warnings of not controlling the anger. But then there's the other whole discussion regarding it. That then how does the person go about this whole treatment? What is the process by which this anger will then be brought under control? How will a person overcome this great malady? That's another totally uh, independent discussion. And a very important one as well. Inshallah Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq on some occasion. We'll discuss that as well. But this is the first part of it. The virtues of restraining anger. And also the warnings regarding not controlling the anger. Another hadith of Ubay bin Ka'ab radiallahu ta'ala that Rasulullah sallallahu said Man sarrahu ay lahu al-bunyan wa turfa'u lahu al-darajat fal ya'fu'am man zalama wa yu'ti man harama wa yasil man qata'ah Subhanallah This is the akhlaq that deen teaches us that Rasulullah sallallahu taught us After all Allah ta'ala had made him on the peak of all akhlaq وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ he came to teach akhlaq to humanity and mankind. He brought perfection to good akhlaq. The good akhlaq that was already there, Nabi Islam perfected it. So this is part of that lesson that Nabi Islam gave. Nabi Islam says that the one who wishes that he should be given this lofty mansions in akhirat and this very high position and status. What is the prescription to that? We all want this. Nobody ever will let alone say that he doesn't want it. Even in his heart, who will ever think in that manner that I don't want it? No mu'min, as weak as his iman may be, would say I don't want this. The akhirat, the good of the akhirat and the greater jannat, everybody wants it. We unfortunately confine our quest to certain amal Yes, we want the Jannat, but we'll just try to do it by means of maybe some extra nawafil, some extra tasbihat. Indeed, these are all things that take a person closer to Allah Ta'ala and increase his position in the Akhirat. But there are other things that take a person at a faster pace also than nawafil. Nawafil are very great and no day should go past without some nawafil. But there are other things that take a person to a far greater speed closer to Allah Ta'ala and attain him far greater position and status in Jannat than all the Nawafil can bring. Not in any way to look down upon the Nawafil. This is a very great aspect. But in comparison, this is even higher than that. And among those things is this what Nabi Salaam is saying, the person who wants to have these lofty mansions in Jannat and wants to have his position and status elevated, فَلْيَعْفُ عَمَّنْ ظَلَمَا let him forgive the one who has oppressed him. And, man harama Should give to the one who has deprived him. Can you imagine if in the society, this has become the heart and mind of every person? Would there be any ill feeling, any dissension, any discord, any social, any domestic, any business dispute left. That فَلْيَعْفُ عَمَّنْ ظَلَمَ Let him forgive the one who has oppressed him. وَيُعْتِمَ حرم And give to the one who has deprived him. وَيَسِلْ مَنْ قَطَعَ And join relationships with the one who has cut off relationships from him. Now this is the lesson Nabi Islam is giving that if we want this high positions of Jannat, you want the lofty mansions in Jannat, this is the prescription. 
These are some of the lessons Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq that we try to imbibe this in our lives. As mentioned right at the beginning, these are muzakaras, these are just discussions, reminders. Nothing is new, nothing of this that we discussed today hasn't been discussed previously. All these things have been discussed many times previously. But I need it every time myself. We all need these reminders. The purpose is amal. And this is part of this exercise that when we are saying something, listening to something, to reflect now, I said this so many times, I heard this so many times, how much of it has come into my life now? How much am I already now practicing? How much am I living this akhlaq? How much am I living this lesson of restraining anger? This is the aspect to reflect on. This is that muhasaba that we have to make. This is that reflection that is extremely important. As Thanavi Rahmatullah this is one lesson that he gave. He says, there's one thing that's missing in our whole effort. There's one thing. Yes, We don't reflect. That now we've heard something, that reflection now. That how I'm going to do this? What will be the way to bring this in my life? What steps I'm going to take? How much of it has come? This little bit of thinking, applying the mind. And then he gives the example of this. That one is a person has eaten, mashallah, good food, nourishing food. So he ate the food, he put it into his mouth, he chewed it well, and everything. Now it goes into the stomach and doesn't digest. So where's the benefit going to come? It's all just going to wash out. What's very important is after having cooked it properly, he washed it well, and cooked it properly, and prepared it well, and it was served well, and it was chewed well, and everything happened, but he didn't get digested, the benefit is lost. The digestion must happen again. The digestion will happen here by this reflection. The lessons of Deen, we keep re- reading, speaking, listening. But to digest it, we require this reflection. After everything has been said and heard, now to sit on and ponder over it. That we heard for one hour, we ponder for three minutes. You heard for one hour, we ponder for one minute. But they're pondering, reflecting. How am I going to bring this in my life? And how much of it has come in my life already? What more I have to do? In this way, inshallah, this will become part of his life. Allah Ta'ala give me also the tawfiq and all of us the tawfiq. Wa'akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. We'll make zikr for a short while and dua and then terminate. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq and accept everybody's coming inshallah. This is the root
الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نسألك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم اللهم لا تدع لنا ذنبا إلا غفرته ولا هم إلا فرجته ولا حاجة هي لك رضا إلا قضيتها ويسرتها يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا حنان يا منام برحمتك نستغيث أصلح لنا شأننا كله ولا تكلنا إلى أنفسنا طرفة عين فإنك إن تكلنا إلى أنفسنا تكلنا إلى ضعف وذم وعورة وخطيئة 
Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, O most merciful, most gracious, most kind, most loving Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, forgive us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, indeed we are your most sinful servants, Ya Allah. But you are Akramul Akrameen, Ya Allah. You are Rahimul Masakeen, Ya Allah. You are Arhamul Rahimeen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you love forgiving, Ya Allah. Allahumma innaka afuun tuhibbul afwa fa'afu anna. Ya Allah, forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive our families, Ya Allah. Forgive our friends and relatives, Ya Allah. Forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, show your rahmat on the ummah, Ya Allah. Show your maghfirat on the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove the pain and suffering of that ummah, Ya Allah. Remove the hardships and difficulties of the ummah, Ya Allah. Remove the oppression from the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us in the entire ummah the tawfiq of those a'mal that bring down your rahmat, Ya Allah. Save us in the entire ummah from such a'mal that bring down azab, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, make us a true and obedient servant, Ya Allah. Allah, make our complete islah with afiyat, Ya Allah. Grant us the beautiful qualities of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah, adorn us with his noble akhlaq, Ya Allah. Beautify our hearts with his noble akhlaq, Ya Allah. Cleanse our hearts out of all the evils, Ya Allah. Cleanse our hearts out of all the vices, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, you enable us to live such lives which you are pleased with, Ya Allah. Allah, enable us to conduct ourselves in a way that you become happy, Ya Allah. Save us from everything that displeases you, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Grant us the sweetness of Iman, Ya Allah. Grant us the sweetness of Iman, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, remove the love of dunya from our hearts, Ya Allah. Remove the love of the ego from our hearts, Ya Allah. Remove the pride, the arrogance, the malice, the jealousy, the hatred from our hearts, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with muhabbat for your makhluk, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with muhabbat for you, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, enable us to treat your makhluk in a way you are pleased, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, save us from ever committing zulm on anyone, Ya Allah. Save us from ever transgressing your laws with the rights of your makhluk, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, enable us to adopt the best akhlaq, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, all the good that Rasulullah begged for. Ya Allah, we also begging for all that good, Ya Allah. Whatever Rasulullah sought refuge from, Ya Allah, grant us refuge as well, Ya Allah. And all those who asked us to make dua for them, Ya Allah. All those who have raised their hands to this dua, Ya Allah. You grant each one's pious needs, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's jayas needs, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Grant cure to each one from their ailments, Ya Allah. All those who give them shifaya kamila, adila, mustabirra, daima. Ilahul alameen, grant us the best of dunya and the best of akhirat, Ya Allah. Allahum inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه أجمعين والحمد لله